Oh, All right, we yes, see you now. Yes, we got you. <laughs> I think you're in New York, yeah? Okay, yes, I'm in New York. Have All right, you, just a, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, have you been following? So this is an election night, but we've been talking to guests, so we have no clue what's going on. Have you been following what's going on? Well, the polls are just closing now. I mean, everybody, yeah, everybody's been around the world has been asking me, who's, who's winning, who's winning? We don't know who's winning yet. They, I mean, they still, they, they've been saying for the last month, several months that, oh, we're not going to know until they count all the mail-in votes and they count all the this and they count all the that. They've got truckloads of votes sitting in some warehouse somewhere in like New Jersey and they get, they're going to wait to bust those in until the last minute when they need to get whoever they, they need to um, have actually win this election. I mean, the... Although I shouldn't say that because mail-in voting is no more fraudulent than electronic voting machine voting, which is one of the most fraudulent methods of voting in existence. So, I mean, it's a six of one, half dozen of the other. But no, there's there's no uh, definitive results yet. And to expect them right now is a bit unrealistic. No, all right, fair enough. But I'm, I'm watching a Dutch, so I'm in the Netherlands, in Europe. I'm watching a Dutch news feed and they say, well, Trump is ahead in Florida. Well, that's for whatever that's worth. So I was, anyway. Yeah, no, I, I haven't. I haven't seen any definitive results here and not, or there. But and we're not going to be that kind of a broadcast now. On on the yeah <laughs> on the, the mail in vote and and the voting computers. Uh, well, yeah, both would be subpar. I like voting, you, you know, with pen and with just ma- analog, but ma- mail in voting. I, I'm surprised that it's being used so massively in the United States because it is. Is the question being raised that when you mail in vote, that you're not that you, you're not necessarily alone, so you're not necessarily an, uh, an influence? That might be a big disadvantage. Well, yeah, there's this whole thing called ballot harvesting, where there's literally people from both parties that go around door to door, basically intimidating people and saying, "Well, hey, you haven't filled out your uh, ballot yet. Um, gee, it sure would be a shame if anything happened to your your car or your dog or your house or you." Or I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm that's obviously a cartoonish exaggeration of ballot harvesting, but that this this does happen and it is a problem. And the, the idea that I mean, yeah, like you said, they're not necessarily alone. It could be somebody holding your hand or somebody filling out the ballot for you, as is exactly. many cases. There, are all, there have been all these cases popping up of, like, dead people voting and stuff. And it's like, okay, so obviously that person didn't vote. Who who did? <laughs> and so, yeah, to get your thoughts a bit, I think there's been a running theme with a lot of our guests and, and even some of us hosts of, when we're discussing Biden or Trump, right? And uh, a lot of us think that, there won't be too much uh, of a difference. It's more like Coke and Pepsi. Um, some people think that Biden will accelerate uh, the crash of the American empire and Trump maybe will buy us some time. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on the dynamics of, of the whole Biden and, and, and Trump and, and you know what's going on? Well, I think that Biden has said he wants to put the entire country under a lockdown. Well, basically, he's, he said he wants to do what the scientists want to do. And of course, what the scientists, quote unquote, want to do has nothing to do with science. If you're looking at somebody like Fauci, he's been wrong about every major so-called epidemic in his entire career. Uh, he's got the blood of thousands of people on his hands just from the AIDS epidemic alone. 
when he blocked medications that would have saved lives in favor of medications that actually killed people like AZT. And um, so it's like, that's definitely a big problem. I don't think that that there's that, that much of a difference. As you said, it's Coke and Pepsi in terms of actual policy that affects, um, you know, foreign policy, things like that. We're going to get more war no matter who it is. Trump, for all his rhetoric about ending the wars in the Middle East, actually bomb more civilians than even Obama. And that's, uh, that's a lot of civilians dying at the hands of U.S. taxpayer paid bombs. But um, as far as domestic policy goes, I think for the those of us who are interested in remaining outside of a nationwide lockdown, as much as I am loath to say anything in favor of Donald Trump, like it is slightly, slightly more rosy outlook there, but only slightly, of course, he could do an about face because you get the feeling that Trump is just playing a role at, at any rate. And he's made it clear even during the first part of the pandemic that this was all decisions being made far above his pay grade. Like he, he didn't want to do any sort of federal lockdown, but then he made some comment about how, Oh, we didn't want to do this, but they said we had to, and uh, who, who's they? And it's, he's always kind of teased just this little hint of, okay, well, I'm not the one making the decisions here. So don't blame me. And that's why I've said before in uh, some of my articles for RT that I don't think that either of them really wanted to win this particular election because they know that whatever happens, they're going to be saddled with the fall of the empire. And while it's entirely possible they could keep the ball rolling, it's uh, getting a bit ridiculous. If you're minting trillions of dollars <laughs> at a time at every single, uh, oh, and every, every time Congress convenes, oh, we need another uh, multi-trillion dollar bailout because um, you're deliberately smothering the economy with a pillow. And it's so, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a certainty almost that something is going to have to give. And I, I don't know exactly what that will be or when, but I do know they have all kinds of fun uh, unrest in store for if things don't go the way they want. And um, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I don't, I can't be too optimistic about either outcome, but I would rather not live under a nationwide lockdown. So, I mean, that's just my way of looking at things. Well, the difference is, so this is from Europe, I'm in the Netherlands. So, uh, we have a lot of small nations now. My and, and in Austria we have a lockdown. In Spain, you're not allowed out without your face mask. And just today, I mean, outside even. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how it's in the United States, but that's that's idiot. But but our prime minister went out in his pre press conference just this evening, like a couple of hours ago, saying, "Well, you're not allowed out with more than uh, two people and your kid. So we we can't. Me and my wife and our." Well, we, we can't be on the street <laughs> uh, yeah. if he has his, has his way. And he's talking curfew. So apparently this virus is being blocked by a curfew. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. They, they they want us to completely just ditch our common sense. Any sort of like reasonable reaction to something like that, such as, well, yeah, the virus has a bedtime. Does the virus not, uh, the virus sees this many people and it says, ooh, yummy. And then it sees this many people and says, oh, I'm going to stay away. Nobody actually thinks like that. And nobody thinks the virus thinks like that, but they don't want you to react like that. So there's, it's just been a constant chipping away at your common sense and constant chipping and chipping and chipping away so that when they finally roll out whatever the big uh, reveal is and it's it is does present a bit of trepidation that you don't whatever is going on now is going to be looking looking like child's play when they finally uh, deliver the, the the real uh, the real deal here because i do think that this uh, the because of the low 
death rate in general of the, the of the novel coronavirus, that this is a dress rehearsal for whatever the final thing is going to be. This is just making sure they have all their ducks in a row. I mean, there was that World Health Organization document that uh, asked all signatories to uh, have conducted, um, I believe it was two drills uh, using the entire um, health emergency service. I'm, I'm, I'm not remembering the phrasing exactly, but there was, there was a document that uh, was put out in, I think, 2018 that, uh, I mean, I can, I can send it to you guys to post it in the, in the show notes because I think everybody should read this. It's very interesting, especially in light of what's going on now in terms of just like, oh, you have to con- conduct a, a drill using the entire emergency system uh, by September 2020 was the deadline. And uh, so, yeah, they just they don't want you to react like a normal human being would react. They want to alienate you not only from uh, the planet and not only from your species, not only from your uh, your civilization, your family, your friend group, but, but, from, but from yourself. They want you not to actually behave according to a normal human instinct of self-preservation, of uh, just you know a, a normal reaction. So they, they try to say, oh, these are things that spread the virus. There's uh, the New York Times editorial board actually put out something a few days back saying that uh, well, we, we can't celebrate the holidays as usual because we know that singing, laughing and smiling, well, no, it wasn't smiling, but it was singing, laughing and celebrating something like that spreads the virus. And not, not like, oh, crying or shouting or, but it was all these like happy things that, oh, that, that we know that spreads the virus. So we can't see our families for the holidays. Yeah. Same thing here. It's, it's global. It's universal. But do you yeah. think it's a dress rehearsal for uh, Another virus or a bigger virus, or it's a dress rehearsal for something else? Um, it could be both. I mean, uh, Gates has said, uh, Bill Gates has <laughs> said that this is, oh, well, they, they're going to listen to us next time. He's always talking about Pandemic 2.0, and he made, he's made a bunch of comments about a bioterror attack. So it's entirely possible that they might combine two of their favorite things and have like a false flag bioterror attack. But um, it could also be lockdowns for another reason. I mean, um, they've... I've heard this this talk of climate lockdowns. I think that sounds a bit far fetched, but then again, we would have thought that this sounds far fetched back, <laughs> you know, two years ago. So, I mean, they, now was, that they've they've gotten what they wanted, and they realize there's absolutely no opposition. So the sky's the limit. This was actually a li- almost literally a statement by our government saying, "Well, one way to get our climate goals is to continue this lockdown." <laughs> yeah. Exactly yeah, that. that's that's insane. That is so insane. But I mean, they they got what they wanted the first time. So what's what's going to stop them from taking it to the most absurd lengths they can possibly go? Yeah, and the document you mentioned what that was 2019, I think September 2019, and it was like this new institution that was uh, formed between uh, WHO, UN, Fauci uh, was on the board, uh, someone from the Gates Foundation, and yeah, as you said, that by September 2020, so that was what two months ago, they, they should have run. Uh, like the second part of their simulation. And I mean, there's just so many things. We had that 2010 Rockefeller lockstep report. And then last year there were half a dozen coronavirus (laughs) influenza bioterror simulations, you know, crimson contagion, urban outbreak, the one in Wuhan in September where the Chinese specifically were running. Yeah, Event 201, of course, Event 201. Yeah. What was was the name of that that new organization? That was the Global Preparedness Monitoring Board? Was that what it's called? Something like that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, And so now we're another, there's all this talk about dark winter. And I, I, you know, after Biden mentioned it recently in in the debate, I did a quick search and I found the the mayor of London also used the term dark winter. The Minnesota governor used dark winter. 
Um, oh my god! From another state, uh, and so it's like it's now become some kind of slogan: "Dark Winter." Uh, yes, as soon as he said that during the debate, I, I went on Twitter and it was just like Biden just said, "Dark Winter, we're all doomed." <laughs> it's just like I mean, it, well, when they start throwing that that term around, it's like obviously, I mean, some people know what it means, other people don't. But when it becomes a meme, it's like "Build Back Better." Build Back Better is suddenly on everybody's lips, and it's like, okay, so uh, you guys all had a meeting beforehand and decided this was what you were gonna say. It's uh, it's a little bit uh, a little bit disingenuous of them, let's say. And um, I guess another question I was going to ask you, uh, I, I think you may have covered this uh, sometimes in your uh, writing. Uh, perhaps, you know, there's this talk of foreign interference in, in U.S. politics, uh, and I'm not specifically, uh, specifically talking about Russiagate, but you can comment on that. But, you know, we have all these lobby groups uh, as well, the, the Saudi lobby, the Israeli lobby, Chinese economic interests, Silicon Valley, as well as the good old military industrial complex and, and Wall Street. So. Uh, it kind of goes back to what we were saying before that, you know, it'll be worse. Definitely. As you said with Biden, I wouldn't want to be uh, in a lockdown. And it's interesting to see how people who otherwise uh, wouldn't vote for Trump, uh, maybe people from, from the progressive or, or left side are now kind of like saying, well, it's the least worst option to go, to go with Trump. But, you know, if Trump wins, uh, you know, will that make some of these other lobby groups uh, happy? Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly the Israeli lobby has been pretty heavily invested in the Trump campaign. I mean, there's obviously there's a right and a left wing to the Israeli lobby, just like there's a right and a left wing to the U.S. politics. But um, the, the the right wing of Israeli politics is pretty heavily invested in Donald Trump. Sheldon Adelson has given him millions and millions of dollars and um, in, this, in this campaign as well as in the last one. And of course, legendarily, uh, Paul Singer, the the um, vulture capitalist who tried to steal Twitter earlier this year, um, while ori originally commissioning the uh, Fusion GPS study that became Russiagate, uh, ended up actually donating to Trump. And then this year, again, he's been a backer of Trump. So, yeah, the Israeli lobby, at least that half of it, will be perfectly happy to have Trump in office again because they think they can squeeze a war with Iran out of him. And whether or not that happens, I mean, I think that that would be ideal for the the ones that want the bioterror attack. They would probably stage one and blame it on Iran and then they could have their war. But it's also possible that given, I mean, Israeli politics is in its own death spiral. So given uh, where the corner that Bibi is backing himself into, he could just uh, attack Iran and then try to drive the U.S. into war because what has he got to, to lose? It's the whole Samson option thing. So while I don't think he's quite in that level yet, the, the Israelis are not happy with being locked down either. So it's entirely possible that they might have bigger problems on their hands right now than uh, a few U.S. activists who happen to be not really interested in giving their tax dollars to a war criminal state, or at least a war criminal state they don't live in. What are some other issues? I mean, we've covered a lot of different topics. So election, uh, some of the lobby groups, uh, COVID-1984. Uh, what are some other issues that you recurrently focus on uh, that are on your mind lately? Well, I mean, the, definitely the coronavirus thing is very much in the forefront because I live in New York City and we've completely just destroyed everything that made this place special. And I think that it's really it's getting into people's identities and it's changing who they are as a person psychologically, their entire character. Because if you have lived your entire life working up to be something like, say, an artist or a musician or 
anything along those lines or an actor. I mean, it's in New York had this huge theater industry and this huge music industry. And, and I hesitate to even use the word industry because that implies some sort of like faceless capitalist thing. And it wasn't really that it was that these were genuinely like uh, valuable uh, organizations that produced good art that a lot of people came here to see. And now we don't have that anymore. Now we're literally explicitly by executive order forbidden to have that by a wannabe totalitarian uh, uh, call him like the, the mini primate Mussolini, but that's kind of an insult to Mussolini because, you know, Cuomo is just so, <laughs> he's, he's such a repulsive character. And it's just that he has put out an executive order in August that forbids anyone from staging uh, musical or theatrical performances and charging admissions for them or uh, having people pay for them ahead of time. So you can't know that the, if, if you go to a place and there's going to be music going on, you can't know about it beforehand and you can't pay for it beforehand. And it's just this, the most uh, obviously inside out thing ever. And the whole idea is to asset strip what's left of New York city is to take, uh, take the properties of the restaurants, take the properties of the theaters. And sure enough, the uh, real estate valuations for New York have gone plummeted weight into the bottom, into the basement. And I believe it is pretty much the same across the nation to a greater or lesser extent. I think probably more so in democratic states where we've had these heavy lockdowns or we've had these shutdowns that have put entire industries out on the street. Um, it's a giant asset stripping scheme. And just as the uh, giant sucking sound that Ross Perot talked about NAFTA pushing across the border, now we're getting a giant sucking sound going upwards to the private equity executives that Cuomo literally has these private equity executives, these, again, vulture capitalists on the board of the, uh, the, the committee tasked with putting New York back together again after he broke it. And so the idea that you have these people who are profiting off companies being broken shells, husks of their former selves, uh, and you have these companies tasked with putting together that it's the biggest conflict of interest you can possibly imagine. And this is, I, I believe that this is going on to some extent uh, across the ocean in England too, but I, I don't know enough of the details about, I know that they're trying to privatize the NHS and they've been trying to do that for a long time, but I think that, that, that they're definitely finding a way to work that in as far as uh, forbidding uh, place, place, practices to carry out quote unquote non-essential procedures. And then you basically end up bankrupting the practices and uh, it becomes, oh, well, look, they have no money. Well, I guess we'll just have to sell it off. And that's, I mean, that was how they were able to get uh, the hospitals in the U.S. to agree to basically commit uh, what would amount to war crimes if we were in a declared war as far as just putting uh, infected patients in uh, wards with the elderly and frail and having them infect everybody and basically kill everybody. And then having preemptively written exemptions into the law that uh, would prevent them from being put in jail for these crimes. It's, I mean, the, the idea that this wasn't pre-planned or at least in part uh, that, there, that there was some kind of game plan is completely absurd and the fact that there are still people trying to argue that i mean it, it's it was very telling that like twitter and everybody's trending topics and they now no longer allow topics to trend organically it can only trend if there's a mainstream news uh, story associated with it and then it's just it, it's it's very unfortunate that what was could have been a tool of liberation for the people has become such a tool of mental control it's uh, become a, a definite cult 
I kind of diverged from where I was starting with that. But as to in terms of people's personalities, uh, they, they've they've had their, their their reason for existing, the the thing that they had want that they had always been, the, their their purpose as a say an artist or a musician or something. And now they can be a rule follower, and they can be a really good rule follower, and that's that's what they're going to be now because they they realize that there's no future for them in this previous thing. And rather than fight back and actually stand up for themselves and actually you know for stand up for humanity, even it's uh, okay. Well, I'm I'm going to be a rule follower. I'm going to rat out my neighbor. And unfortunately, this is where you get the uh, the Karens, the Stasi, the uh, the, yeah, the Corona Stasi, or whatever. There's there's a whole bunch of terms for them. But sure, I don't know, I've, I've been thinking a lot about that lately, about how uh, community policing is the new thing. And uh, how a, I saw terrifying. a new new thing pop up in the Netherlands just this evening. So our mainstream media is all on um, on Team Biden. So we're all we're all for for Democrats. Now the alternative channels uh, would be just like mine of a, of, a, of a more open opinion. Let let's see who, who has the better ideas or what what have you. But then there was this alternative channel that was, and I'm assuming they were paid. That was that was also plugging. They, they were just like mainstream media doing doing their Biden routine and ex- routine and. But under the under the guise of being an alternative citizen journalism channel, so that's that was new that I saw that. And a friend of mine was a guest there. I saw her on on that channel being interviewed, and she was asked, "Oh, you so you're you're favoring Trump? Paul. Would you be our guest?" And she was like, "Oh yeah, I'll be on TV." But she was she was set up. I saw her being set up on a citizen journalistic channel. So that was new for me to see that here in the Netherlands. We have a lot of that here. There's um, a huge amount of formerly alternative media personalities who have just completely bought into the whole Corona thing and become complete fear mongers. And oh, how dare these people go around without masks on outdoors? That they're they are they must hate their fellow man. And oh, that they must be secretly uh, Trump supporters or white supremacists. There's been this whole like weird nonsensical thing trying to conflate uh, people who don't want to uh, be wearing a mask outside because. It serves no purpose other than to basically mark you as a member of the cult of Corona and uh, and white supremacy. White supremacy. It, it doesn't. I mean, I, I, I see no logical link between the two. But uh, you know, here we don't need logic anymore. Logic is, after all, spreads the coronavirus. Exactly. And so, uh, Roger, me, myself, we're discussing before we started <laughs> if and which guest interview. Would get us uh, on the penalty bench in uh, in YouTube. Again. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would think that. You would think that, but I don't know. Rovachi, what, what, what would you would you place your bets already or not on, on that one? Well, we're still streaming, so uh, maybe w- yeah, <laughs> maybe sit it out first. But the thing is, nice. it's arbitrary. So you, I'm, I'm I'm mentioning this True. because you mentioned uh, Twitter just just now. Um, we've had a couple of years now of, of shadow banning and you don't know how you're being banned, but currently it's just blatant out in the open. You'll just get deleted or you create your tweets and your tweets get deleted or you, you're the only one seeing your own timeline. And if you ask a friend, they say, no, I don't see your tweets. So it's way out in the open. Yeah, these last couple of days I've been, uh, sometimes I'll try to tweet something and then it'll say, oh, we're sorry, there's been an error. Try again. And it's like, wait a second, what? <laughs> and you keep 
clicking and clicking and nothing happens and you like go and go do something else and you come back an hour and it happens and it's fine it's the whole like idea of learned helplessness it's like if you're a mouse in a cage and you're trying to get to the food bowl but the floor is electrocuted and you as you get closer to the food bowl sometimes there'll be a shock and sometimes there won't but eventually you just like expect the shock and you just decide you know what i don't i don't need this food right now <laughs> i'm not that hungry yeah exactly so um <laughs> Yeah, yeah, what you go? Just gonna say, a few days ago, uh, there was that stuff that came out with uh, Mr. Biden's uh, son, uh, and I, I. One of the sources that I found was from Gateway Pundit, and you know they published it on their website, but I noticed they hadn't tweeted anything about it. It was on their website, and I, being like you know the little kid who sees the electric outlet, and and you know he, he probably knows what's going to happen if he sticks his finger in an electric outlet, but but does it anyways, and so uh, I decided to tweet the, that you know, stuff from uh, on Twitter and, and immediately not like a millisecond later, it says you're locked out of your Twitter for 12 hours. Uh, and then I had to wait till the next morning to remove the tweet and, and be unlocked and be warned that, you know, if you do this uh, again, you're going to be permanently terminated from Twitter. So, Oh my God. Yeah. The, the reaction to that story was just over the top. I mean, Talk about like uh, the the, the cover-up being worse than the crime. It's like, okay, so um, I mean, that's, I, I think they really screwed the pooch with that one because it just made it so obvious. They got sued by the Republican National Committee for that. The tw Twitter did for for making an in-kind contribution to the Biden uh, campaign just just by blocking anybody who tried to share that story. And I, th I think they realized they went a little too far because they, they retracted a at least a little bit of it. Now it just shows up with like a thought babysitting warning where, are you sure you want to share that story? I'm afraid we can't let you share that story. Are you really, really, really sure? And then they eventually let you share it, but you can't just retweet. That would be wrong. <laughs> the, whole, the whole block on retweets is so ridiculous, but you know. I guess one of my last questions goes back to what you were saying about New York. And I, I know Enrico's, uh, when he interviewed me for his podcast uh, a month or two ago, I was saying the same thing that the BLM and Antifa are the useful idiots. And we've seen evidence now that they've been receiving financing uh, from the oligarchs, right? Soros, Warren Buffett, uh, and, and others, uh, probably big, big tech folk, you know, Amazon and, and all these people. And their goal is to run amok in the cities, you know, burn them down, have the residents flee, the property prices decline. And the same financiers buy it up for pennies uh, on the dollar, and 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 then they build their new smart cities or or whatever that's happening here. Um, they're not burning down the city where I am here in Mexico, but I found the governor's plans where he's he's actually being financed by Rockefeller because we're a resilient oh. city, and resilient cities receive. It's in the report they receive exclusively funds from Rockefeller Foundation and and World Bank, and they need to use that those funds to create a cashless. Uh, city uh, build pre-crime it actually mentions, mentions pre-crime to have their police really? move into pre-crime uh create this you know smart surveillance grid so that's kind of happening but do you think new york will recover so there, i've seen a lot of prominent people tweet that you know new york is finished um what are your thoughts there 
I don't think New York will recover. No, I mean, they've made sure that it won't. They've uh, they've shut, shut down the subways between one o'clock and four o'clock a.m., which if you're supposed to be the city that never sleeps and you rely on nightlife for a good portion of your like people's entertainment. One of the whole reasons people live here is because there's stuff to do and you legally prohibit people from doing those things. And then, as you mentioned, I would love to see the, the Mexican version of the, the Rockefeller document, because I know New York uh, has all kinds of partnerships with like. Uh, Israeli tech startups, uh, Cuomo. There's at least two that I know of that, uh, which whose names, like, of course, I can never remember when I need to. But at any rate, uh, there's there's one where uh, they've they've signed an agreement with Cuomo that five cities, including New York, will be uh, these these test labs for basically is Israeli smart cities. And then there's another like Israeli tech incubator that is that is in part going to be part of New York. And as you say, I don't know if they're going to burn the entire thing down but uh, they definitely need to retrofit it. And that's what helps with getting everybody out of the office building so they can get their people in, retrofit it to monitor every single uh, drop of water used, every single like electron that goes through the wires and to be able to cut them off when the people that you don't like are using them. Of course, that's a big part of it. But yeah, the, the, the surveillance system, I mean, that's what the... the I don't want to say the the word that, that uh, the fifth generation uh, wireless, uh, you know, those 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 the letter and the number you're not supposed to say in sequence without thank getting you. kicked thank off you, YouTube. You. Um, that uh, is is more for surveillance than for anything else. It's um, you can't have 24 seven 365 surveillance of every single human being on the planet without that kind of bandwidth. And given the, our current infrastructure, we cannot uh, do that. So once they have that, then it's it will be entirely possible to do the pre crime stuff and to basically. Be be able to uh, know your next move better than you know it yourself. And that's, I mean, I, I think that, that that really needs to be something that people focus on more than everybody's attention is so divided right now and into so many things, including a lot of dead ends and red herrings. And I think people really need to like, if, if you're going to uh, make your whole work about something, then make sure that you're actually working towards something that really exists. Don't be trusting the plan or whatever. I mean, the fact that there are still people out there trusting the plan. It's like, guys, I know, I know you want something to be true, but you can't will that into existence. You cannot make a silk purse out of the political sow's ear. And, um, yeah, no, I, I think that uh, the, what they're doing in the cities right now, uh, New York is not coming back. And New York has been completely, its back has been broken. The, its people have been uh, completely subjugated into these spineless. It's funny, there's um, the, the aquarium down here where I live out by Coney Island is no longer open, but uh, they have these signs out there from when it used to be. And one of the signs says, no spine, no problem. Come see our invertebrate exhibit. But I just find it funny every time I see that because that really describes New Yorkers now to a T. No spine, no problem indeed. Let let me just read a few comments from viewers who are listening now. Someone says New York City will eventually recover, but as a shell of what it was, will just be a gated corporate uh, island. And another, uh, thanks for this comment, guys. All your guests this evening have been fantastic. All right, so we know we're doing... uh, Good. So any final thought to leave us with, uh, Helen? Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't consider it becoming a, a gated corporate community to be recovery at all. I would consider that to be, uh, you know, a calcification of its graveyard status. But yeah, I suppose economically it could be considered recovery or a holding pen for the human cattle or something like that. I don't think we need holding pens for human cattle. I think we need humans to stand up and stop being cattle. But <laughs> Exactly. Okay.
Where, where's the best place uh, people can follow you? I know, I know your Twitter feed is a great, great uh, resource. Uh, you've got your website as well. Uh, where should people go? Yeah, HelenofDestroy.com. My website is, you can find basically everything. All my social media accounts are linked on there. If for some reason my website should go down, you can always find me on Twitter at VelociRapture23, V-E-L-O-C-I-R-A-P-T-U-R-E-23. You know, when I signed up with that name, I never thought I was going to have to be spelling (laughs) it, but you know, it's a story of my life. But um, yeah, and and I also write for RT.com. You can search my name on there, Helen Vyniski, and uh, my articles will come up. So you're a Russian agent. Just kidding. Um, oh yeah, totally. And don't say that you can always find you on, on Twitter because there may be one day where we might. That's true. You. you can always find you, you can always find me somewhere on the internet, but you never know where I will be. Well, that's All hopeful right, well, at least. <laughs> so you can get the internet. <laughs> All right. Fun talking to you. Thank you. Nice talking to you guys as well. Thanks for having me on.